Welcome to Coastal Front. Join us each week as we sit down with the movers and shakers of Vancouver to discuss stories of business, politics, accomplishment, and failure. Our aim is to keep you dialed into what matters most in our city. Now, here's your host, Andrew Johns. Super. Well, here we are with Brad West. You're the mayor of Port Coquitlam. Thanks for coming in today, Brad. Thank you for having me. Uh, we got lots to cover and so little time, so much to cover. Um, let's just dive right into the event that just finished up here, which was the UBCM, the mm-hmm. Union of BC Municipalities. You got a lot of press and uh, probably a lot of flack in the, in the media and maybe some of your peers uh, weren't so happy with you speak, being so outspoken, namely about uh, the People's Republic of China hosting an event there. And you went, did you end up going to this event to just see who was there in attendance and drop I, off some t- Tim Hortons? I made a brief appearance. <laughs> I, I didn't get in the door, but I made a, a brief appearance there. And, and what that was about was um, the organizers of a, of a demonstration, a protest that was happening outside of the event. Uh, and that was primarily the uh, Hong Kong Canadian uh, Community Association, uh, as well as the local Uyghur community in Vancouver. They organized the protest. They asked if I would come and speak, and uh, absolutely it was my pleasure to do that and, and offer my support to them because those are some pretty brave people, let me tell you, yeah. with what they're facing and what their families who are still back in China um, you know, could potentially uh, face because of their outspokenness in this country. Yeah. Um, but at the end of our speeches, they turned to us and they said to myself and some of the other city councillors who joined me, uh, we've prepared these two care packages uh, for the two Michaels who are being held hostage. And we're wondering if you'll take them and try and give them to the Consul General. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and so we said yes. And so we made our way down through the hotel to the reception. Um, it was interesting. We had hotel security, you know, kind of intervene at the beginning and we had to show our badges and say, well, we were actually invited <laughs> as uh, UBCM delegates to be yeah. here. And so we made our way down through to the hotel to where the reception was being held. And um, I did try and um, respectfully give the care packages to um, uh, one of the consul officials. Um, as you might imagine, as soon as they saw me, they they went yeah, running they for the hills. Were, yeah. yeah they- <laughs> uh, so we didn't get very far, but uh, ended up just... Uh, leaving them on the floor. Yeah, we have um, a clip of that. Right yeah. So, yeah. And, and so we left, the, we left them there. Yeah. Um, yeah, here's the clip here as you drop it off. On the, on yeah, there the we are. So yeah. we weren't able to have any anyone take them from us, but we left them. And I, yeah. you know, I think obviously we sent a very strong message uh, that there are elected officials in this province yeah. who haven't forgotten that we have two Canadian citizens yeah. who are being held hostage yeah. by the government of China. Yeah. Yeah, with no access to their um, their their care being care or what's the no due lawyers, process. yeah, no no contact with their family, yeah, um, and are basically you know in this limbo, yeah, uh, you know th- there is not a. I mean, let's call it what it is. They they ba- basically were attained. Yeah, I mean they don't they would never admit this, but everybody can see the writing on the wall. They were attained after the CFO of Huawei and it's the daughter yeah. of the founder of Huawei That's right. was uh, put basically on house arrest and detained here in Vancouver and she's yeah. in her it was s- retaliation. $7 million home while she sits around waiting for a potential uh, uh, extradition to the United States. Absolutely. It was yeah. complete retaliation and that's yeah. why I say they're being held hostage. Absolutely. Uh, because it's a hostage taking. 100%. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely yeah. are. And I'm glad you call it that way. Now, here's here's something I want to talk about, and I, I want us to expand a little bit beyond. I mean, think to, to me, for anybody to hear your message and see that the People's Republic of China, the only uh, the only sovereign government in the entire world mm-hmm. that had a sponsorship table right. or a position at the UBCM, not even the government of Canada itself or the United States government right. would buy um, a, a sponsorship spot, but you've got the People's Republic of China. I think you'd have to be an absolute moron not to appreciate how much of a conflict of interest this is. So I agree with you, but I want to expand beyond that. I mean, let's look at the top. Let's just start at the top here. Look at the number of names because I, I, I saw this list. I tried to get our own team in there because we, we as, I, as I said to you, to you a little bit earlier before we started filming, we do a lot of business with municipalities. Yeah, and we were told that they were already full. It was really unfortunate. I mean, I even offered to take the spot of the People's Republic of China and pay oh. UBCM an extra four thousand dollars on top just to pretty you know, generous offer. Yeah, would have been good. Take me up on it. But here's the thing I've noticed. You've got some major corporations in here, and, I, and it seems to me it's almost like a pay-to-access type program. And you look at names like there's Telus, mm-hmm. uh, CN Rail. You've got uh, organizations like the BC Council for Forest Industries, the new car dealership association. If people want to question why we don't have Uber and Lyft in Vancouver, <laughs> that association has been has been paying tens of thousands of dollars in donations to both the BC Liberals and the BC NDP mm-hmm. every year. For many years, they're a lobby group. They don't, you know, it's going to affect their business. And as you scroll down, you can see other big names. There's a lot of four, uh, uh, oil and gas companies yeah. that are in here. Um, so wanted to see what your thought was around. There you are, right there. Continental Breakfast. You got Trans Mountain Expansion Project. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you give me a bit of a sense of like your take on these major organizations and lobby groups? BC Fire is a firefighters association as well. Mm-hmm. Well, the, it seems to have become sort of an accepted practice at UBCM that you're going to not only have, you know, mayors and city councillors from around the province, you're going to have every possible lobbyist, um, you know, uh, special interest group there as well. And I, I think in actual fact, they probably almost outnumber the number of delegates that are there, right? right? Like okay. the, the everywhere you turn, there's a representative of a um, of a company or you know an organization or what have you and and i understand uh organizations and businesses and others wanting to be able to um have access to elected officials and to state their case and and look as an elected official as mayor i meet with all sorts you know people request to have meetings with me and 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 i meet with people all the time you know in port coquitlam you know port coquitlam businesses who have concerns community organizations all that you know to me i think we're we're losing something at the UBCM. Like I think at one point it was supposed to be a place where uh, mayors and city councillors from around the province gather, they share experiences, talk about best practices, talk about solutions, and, and there's a piece of that that still happens. But it seems to me, and even my ten years in municipal office, it is really morphing into. Well, it's just, it's, you know, it's these receptions. It is, you know, uh, the ability for, you know, uh, different organizations and businesses to, um, you know, get the ear of elected officials. And I mean, I kind of think it's unnecessary. I mean, if someone contacts my office, whether they're, you know, a resident of Port Coquitlam who are paying taxes in my city, whether they're a business that is located in Port Coquitlam, like I'm readily available to meet with people. That's part of the job. 
you don't need to go and pay, <laughs> write a check yeah. to the UBCM to be able to talk to me. Sure. Um, so, uh, you know, I've, I've, I have witnessed that, you know, evolution and, and what, I guess what is most concerning to me is, you know, the people who can't afford to write a check are, you know, working people in Port Coquitlam sure. who have a lot of concerns, yeah. um, you know, who can't afford a, a swanky reception to be able to put their things. Well, these are the people know. that, candidly, the peop- these are the people that the delegates of UBCM are really accountable to. These are the taxpayers, the residents, and the voters of British Columbia. Yep. Not when I see these names, like the, these various oil and gas companies and major law firms and other kind of lobbying groups. Yeah, and you know, it, it's interesting because when you look at the list, I mean, there, there, are, there are folks where the, the link to municipal government is pretty tenuous too, mm-hmm. right? Like, and, and I mean, that was part of my issue as well with the, the government of China's reception. Now, not only do I think it's inappropriate to take a check from the government of China because of their hostile actions against our country and our citizens, uh, along with their own deplorable uh, human rights abuses in their own country and around the world, I also don't think it's the responsibility of mayors and city councillors to be building a relationship with a foreign government. I mean, we're responsible for a lot of things. Foreign relations is not one of them. I'll leave that up to the feds. Well, you know, and I, I found it kind of laughable because, you know, one of the responses from uh, some folks who were defending the practice said, well, it's really important to have dialogue with them. Well, they refused to meet with our prime minister to discuss this. <laughs> right. So, you know, Justin yeah. Trudeau tried to meet with uh, uh, the premier of China and, yeah. and he refused. There was, yeah. you know, that video went around of him kind of turning his back, sure. uh, not wanting to meet with him. So, so you want me to believe that the government of China won't meet and have dialogue with our prime minister, but the same government's officials do want to meet and have dialogue with BC mayors and state councillors. Like, why yeah. would that be? Yeah. You know, so, I mean, that to me so is Brad, another th- piece okay, so of this. W- look, there was plenty of opportunity for the organizers and the decision makers for UBCM to write that check back to the People's Republic of China and really make a statement, the kind of statement I think you would have app- uh, approved and applauded. Mm-hmm. Um, there was some talk that came out. I heard about they well they have a tight budget and it's hard for them to make ends meet. And I'm like, well, I know factually because I tried to get a uh, a booth at that event that they said they were completely sold out. And I mean, it's the Vancouver Convention Center. It's not like they couldn't make more room. It's a right. huge place. Yeah. Um, do you think that if they do you think the reasoning was maybe one of like being pegged as racist so that if they if they turned around and sent that money back or that there's some kind of maybe reality retaliation from the people's republic of china onto maybe the people who uh, you know those deci- they think that maybe they're in fear do you think there was some fear there yeah, or what yeah. was what was the reason that they said or do you think they genuinely only honestly these people just that are making these decisions don't think it's a big deal yeah it's always dangerous to get in someone else's head yeah. and to try and figure out what they're thinking um i mean i heard all of that yeah. right all of those things i i don't think any of those are have any validity to them. Yeah. Um, the reality is that, you know, we're talking about the government of China. We're not talking yeah. about Chinese people or Chinese Canadians. And, and, no, not you at know, all. Yeah. and if you looked at the people who organized the demonstration against the reception, guess what? They're Chinese. It, it was Chinese people. Canadians yeah, sure. who, who were organizing it. So 
So I, I think that's just sort of nonsensical and, yeah. you know, gets thrown out as a way to try and just shut down the conversation right then and there. Um, you know, were they afraid that it would be viewed as insulting to um, the government of China? Maybe that's it. Um, but quite frankly, too bad. I mean, yeah. it, at some point, we have to be able to find our backbone as a country and say we are not going to allow ourselves to be bullied. They talk about the importance of relationship. What type of relationship do we have where one party completely dictates the terms, uh, can uh, take two citizens of the other countries hostage uh, for retaliation, um, behave in the manner in which they have, and and basically the other party say not a peep about it, you yeah, know, or, or yeah, be I very muted agree. in their response. Um, and so it was hard to understand. I mean, it was $6,000. I mean, that, that's part of what came oh, yeah, out. The right? dollar amount like, is a lame excuse. So were there other, were there other uh, uh, elected officials like yourself that supported you in this uh, sort of belief that UBCM should be turning that, that sponsorship away? Yeah, there, there yeah. were. And, and I, and I will give credit to the majority of UBCM delegates who, yeah. who, actually voted, um, 65% of them said uh, we should not be, the UBCM should not be taking uh, financial contributions from foreign governments, period, which yeah. has always been my position. Um, I think that number's too low. Yeah, Leads me to scratch my head about those who think it's not a big deal. But still, 65% is a pretty clear message. Yeah. Um, you know, along with that, you did have a number of mayors say they would not attend uh, the event. And yeah. I've never attended the event yeah. Uh, but what I understand is that in the past, it's been packed. There's been a lot of people who've gone to it. This year, you know, I think that there was Any maybe... Any idea why? Uh, Amazing dim sum? Well, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Again, you know, there's... People don't like to pass up a reception. Yeah. That, that's what well, I've Well, I heard a lot I've of people seen, raving about the... Uh, everybody was super excited to get to the cannabis reception. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, but, you know, that's a new one. But they did... You know, there was about 100 people, I think. Yeah. 100 or so people who were there this year. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, I think that does send a bit of a message. Yeah. Um. But, I mean, the UBCM... If they're not going to listen to the public who've been really clear on this, yes. at least they will hopefully listen to their own members who have now said 65% of them do not allow this practice to continue in the future. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's great. Last question on this topic. Mm -hmm. Will you ever travel to China yourself? Uh, I, I think out of uh, an abundance of caution, uh, I'll probably be steering clear. <laughs> Definitely want to make sure you uh, wear some dark sunglasses and a ball cap. All right, let's 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 jump to um, uh, to Port Coquitlam, because mm -hmm. uh, I think that so many people end up wanting to talk to you about all this, uh, your views. You sound like you should be probably running for this federal election coming up here, but uh, no do, way. You have, do you have any aspirations at some point to possibly expand past the uh, municipality of Port Coquitlam and and maybe run provincially or federally? I don't actually. I'll be really candid about yeah. that. And people, I, I know we are conditioned to believe that if someone is, you know, speaking their mind or, you know, appears to be getting attention that, oh, it must be part of some grand plan that they have to yeah. to catapult into higher office. I, I understand people's sort of uh, predilection to thinking yeah. that. That's, but I'm not, that's, I'm not, that's what I'm thinking. No, I'm no, but, but like you, and you, so I, I, cause I've heard that, right? Yeah, so, okay. people, oh, this is, you know, he's just trying to set himself up. Um, honestly, no. And, no. and the reason is because 
I don't think I would do very well in a political party or caucus. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I like to, you know, I, I have my own sort of um, thoughts and, and views on things. I, I come to them by reflecting upon my, my values and my upbringing. Um, and, and I do think that we have a very unhealthy political climate in our country um, where, uh, you know, there's good people in, in all political parties, but something seems to happen to folks yeah. when they get into uh, provincial or federal politics and the ability to um, think for oneself, to uh, take positions um, that are you know, truly your own seems to really uh, go out the window. Yeah. And um, as people might be able to guess, um, I wouldn't do well with someone phoning <laughs> me up and saying, hey, here's what you're going to, here's line. how you're going to vote or here's yeah. how you're going to think on this issue. Like, yeah. that's just not what I'm about. Yeah. Um, and so, no, I'm, you know, I love yeah. being the mayor of Port Coquitlam. Uh, it's my hometown. It's the city I've lived in my entire life. Yeah. Um, my wife and I are raising our family there. Uh, and I intend to be there for a long time to help shape that community. Great. Um, great. Well, that's great. And I agree with you. I think that the big party politics are the biggest, they're the biggest problem towards our democracy today. I mean, you can see it in the States and I think it's developing here in Canada as well. So let's go to Port Coquitlam. Mm -hmm. um, first question I have for you on Port Coquitlam is on housing, uh, both homelessness and just affordability of housing. How are you guys doing with that today? I, I have to admit, I don't know too much about Port Coquitlam. I have, mm -hmm. you know, I've rarely been there. Um, so I don't know if this is a major issue for you. And how's the BC government doing as far as helping you guys out? Sure. It, it's a big issue okay. in our community. We're, we're not dissimilar, I think, from every municipality in Metro Vancouver. The thing that's been interesting is um, Port Coquitlam's, um, so much of Port Coquitlam's kind of character has been tied to the fact that it has always been uh, a more affordable place for people to move to and raise their family. I mean, that certainly was my family's history. My parents moved to Port Coquitlam from North Burnaby in the 80s uh, because it was affordable and they wanted to uh, raise their children in a great community with good schools, safe, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and still today, that is, I think, the defining characteristic of Port Coquitlam and it attracts a lot of young people, a lot of people my age, yeah. um, to the community. Um, but we were certainly not immune to what happened when the housing market became completely detached from local economic conditions. Um, and so our response to that has, I think, been fairly robust in terms of what the municipality has been able to do. Mm -hmm. um, and what it has meant it has been um, a significant effort put into expanding housing options within the community, um, understanding that depending on what stage of life you're at, your housing needs are different. Um, and, and so really trying to focus on having that full spectrum of housing choices available for people in our community. So, you know, on on duplexes, on coach homes, um, on all of these things, you know, we have been early uh, adopters and have really kind of led the way um, in opening up more and more areas of the community to allow those different types of housing choices. Okay. Um, at the same time, you know, I kind of, um, when it comes to development in the community, I, I, you know, really think that for too long, um, we have just, we've kind of been absent from the game in terms of sitting down with people who want to build in our community and talking about what 
the community's expectations are as well. Um, and, you know, some people have, you know, been a little less charitable about it and said, like, you know, there was a time when, you know, whatever proposal came through, rubber stamped, right? right. Um, and so what developers led the way, basically. You know, they, I think, really dictated some yeah. of the terms. And what we've done, you know, I like to sit down and see the whites of people's eyes. Sure. And so, you know, we've been really upfront about what are the types of things that we want to see from development in Port Coquitlam. So one of the changes we made was um, we're not going to have um, developments of entire, just the whole building be one bedroom condos. Right. And, and you know, yeah. there were there were some development applications that were like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to see places where real people can live. So, you know, families and not, you know, not, yes. not that just people, the people who live in one bedroom condos aren't real. No, but, of course they're but real, you gotta, but you got to, like you said, you try just, raising two kids yeah. in the one bedroom, exactly condo, right? You have to have 100%. places where, um, people, you know, can raise a family. Yeah. Right. And so, and if you as government don't somewhat dictate that yeah, and you leave it to the market, the market's going to probably sure. just build a ton of well, one bedroom and, condos because that's where you get the most bang for your buck. And that's what happened, yeah. right? And and the answer was, oh, well, don't interfere in that. Let the market dictate. Yeah. And you might well, get a bunch of guys like Ross living in your I, I know. And, who, you know, <laughs> we can, we're allowed, you know, a couple of Rosses are okay, but you don't, don't want to have, many. yeah, that's many. right. But, you know, but again, it, it's recognizing that, you know, the, the full spectrum of, of housing options have to be there for people. So, yeah. you know what? Um, so it's not that you guys are anti-development. No, we we you, haven't. You, no, you, you you want you just want to have a more uh, you know well I think thought out planned the, development. The track record in Port Coquitlam is probably ninety nine point nine percent of development applications get approved. Okay. What I think we're doing better now is um, is being not and being upfront about it. Yeah. You know, because that's one of the things I've certainly heard from developers and builders is look we're. We get there's requirements. We want to know at the beginning what they are. Don't throw us a curveball at the end. So we've been really upfront. We want family-friendly housing, you know. So we want uh, two and three bedroom um, places in these development uh, development projects as well. Um, you know, we are also now saying that you know if you're looking for additional density, um, and it makes sense and it, it's supported by good planning principles, we'll support that. We know that that makes a project much more uh, financially uh, lucrative, and so the community needs to see some benefit of there there as well. Um, you know, we have requirements now around a percentage of um, affordable uh, non-market rental units in development projects. So there's been a lot of work on kind of that side of things as well. The other thing I'm really proud of is we had the first instance in Port Coquitlam of a potential renovation taking place. Um, and we've seen that throughout Metro Vancouver, you know, in, in Vancouver and, and Burnaby, probably most prominently, mm-hmm. you know, there are literally thousands of people who've been, you know, have been renovicted or demovicted of their homes. We had a case in Port Coquitlam where um, there is an apartment building. Um, it was about 50 years old but exceptionally well-maintained. And we knew that because we have a long record of uh, building permit applications for all the improvements that have been made. So um, the previous owner came in regularly and you know made a whole bunch of improvements and rents in- increased very modestly um, because obviously, you know, if you're investing money into a, a place and 
going to upgrade it. You need to see an, a return on that investment. Totally get that. But we had the first instance of, um, of a developer um, purchasing that property uh, when the previous owner passed away and saying, oh, we need to do a big uh, renovation. Uh, and so 100 people, most of who were seniors, mm-hmm. um, two of who were veterans, you're out. And we're going to put in some new flooring. We're going to put in some new appliances. We're going to do some kind of window dressing. And sure, you can come back in. But uh, guess what? Your rent has doubled, right? Um, and, and we took you know fairly aggressive and immediate action on that. Uh, and we're ultimately successful in in having uh, that developer back down on that plan. I have to drive past that apartment building every single day to get home and every single day I can drive past it and know that we took action to make sure that those people still have a home. And guess what? The renovations are happening right now and they're happening with people still in their home, not having been evicted and not having their rents doubled. So, you know, there's oh, been a, a great story. There's been a yeah. lot of things that we have done. Um, is there more to do? Absolutely. Um, but I think we're pressing forward on a number of different fronts. Um, this is not a issue where there is a silver bullet. Yeah. Um, so there's a number of things that need to come into play. Um, you know, the, the community is growing by leaps and bounds. You know, we are trying to Im- um, improve our uh, our efficiency and processing, because I do think it's absolutely ridiculous that you know some of these development projects can take years to wind their way through the city process. It, it just you know that is unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there are you know there's certainly validity to a number of the concerns that have been expressed on you know the red tape and and the delays and you know and, and I'm really committed to trying to. Um, ensure that our process in Port Coquitlam is as efficient and straightforward as possible, while at the same time making sure that uh, we're not, you know, we're not just letting the the developer write all the rules and just there to you know rubber stamp whatever they bring forward with. Being yeah. really clear with our expectations, but getting more housing options for people, getting more supply. And then obviously, I've been very outspoken and supportive of the provincial government's efforts to clamp down on um, a number of the uh, influences that I think um, did lead to some of the detachment of our housing market from local economic conditions. Mm-hmm. Those are things outside the realm of the municipality. Yeah. Um, but, you know. Um, trickle effect out into but, Port But sure, sure, I mean, and, and, I, and I saw that and we've, we've seen and experienced that. So, uh, you know, I think, again, you, you have, to, you know, this debate ends up always being characterized by you either have to do this or this. And, you know, my view has been that we need to be doing, I think, probably a bunch of both. Uh, yeah. And and that's what we're trying to accomplish. Okay. Well, that's great. Thank you for that. It's a good, good insight. With respect to the provincial government, uh, it sounds like you're, uh, you're uh, in favor of some of these initiatives they've taken to try and stem the amount of uh, uh, empty homes, offshore money coming in and driving up real estate prices. I think that's what you're alluding to. Let's talk about Port Coquitlam and how's the how's the province done as far as supporting you in building out affordable housing projects, co-op housing, 
Do you have a homelessness issue at all in Port? Are there homeless people yep. in Port? There are. Yeah, okay. there are. Yeah. I apologize again for my. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I got to yeah. come out and visit you. <laughs> yeah, please um, do. Yeah, but uh, so have they? I know Selena Robinson has been quite vocal about. She feels they they're being quite successful in mm-hmm. in getting a lot of these people off the streets. What do you do? You have some comments on that? Um, so um, I think like most communities, we do have um, uh, homelessness issues. Um, our community, along with Coquitlam, um, was one of the first to at, actually, um, before all the push around uh, temporary modular housing, um, was probably one of the first to have a, uh, a homeless shelter um, in kind of the suburbs. Um, okay. So it, it's at on Gordon Avenue. Um, and, you know, it is, it has done a couple of things. I mean, obviously it has um, provided a, a center for uh, homeless people in the Tri-Cities. Um, it has also had some impacts as well. And I think it's important to recognize those. There's, you know, again, you know, this is, I don't think we do ourselves any service by kind of sugarcoating that oh, well, all we do is, you know, put a modular housing thing up and, you know, people go in there and then that's it, solved. Um, I don't think it's that easy. And so we're dealing with a number of the issues that that go along with that. Um, You know, but clearly they have put more emphasis on this than there has been in the past. I mean, you ask what have they done? I I guess it was probably two weeks ago I was at an announcement um, in Port Coquitlam where you have the uh, provincial government and the city and Metro Vancouver and a nonprofit housing provider coming together uh, to do a affordable housing project in our community, um, 80 plus uh, homes. And it it kind of is a a tiered thing where there's, there will be some homes for people um, basically on a a shelter rate, the lowest social assistance Mm -hmm. rate um, that you can have. And then they'll, it will be tiered for people who, you know what? I mean, I always say, how? Where does the person who works at the grocery store live? Sure. You know, like yeah, there, there's a lot of working people out there. Yeah. Um, and you know, and they need a place to live. Absolutely. Uh, and, and you know, they're not, um, not dealing with, uh, you know, maybe some of the, the issues associated with uh, homelessness. They're just, you know, they're out there. They get up every day, they go to work, um, you know, but maybe they make 15 bucks an hour. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the, the options. They got to find a way to be able to afford to pay the bills and. For sure, right? And, and, save, and save so, yeah. you know, this is a project that is kind of, um, I think one of the things that's great about this particular project is there's different tiers within it. So it's not a 100% um, just shelter rates or social housing project as we think of, would think about it. It's it's a mix. Um, and I know that there is a lot of emphasis placed on helping people who are experiencing homelessness, supportive of that. But I'm really concerned about the the working people in Port Coquitlam, yeah. um, single parents and others who are a paycheck away from being homeless. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, my view is that if we can do something to help those people, get them some housing security. It's better for them. It's better for their children. Uh, and it's a heck of a lot it's way easier. way for the community as well. Way better for the community. And it's a heck of a lot better than trying to help them after, you know, after they've been, they've lost their housing, yeah. right? And, and they are homeless. So 
um, you know, f- focusing on working families has been the big emphasis of mine. Um, and that's a, a project that I think, um, you know, I kind of look at as a bit of a, a model that I'd like to see more Great. of. Is there a name for the project? Uh, it's called the Alex. The Alex. The Alex. Okay, that's so what the name of the building will that's be. That's the name. Okay. Uh, yeah. And it's uh, the Atira, um, Atira Society is the nonprofit uh, okay. housing provider that's involved in it. Great. I know you've got to go. So in wrapping this up, this is the uh, Port Coquitlam uh, website. Um, for people like myself who haven't been port to, to Port Coquitlam, is it, a, is it a place that I should take my kids for a day or in the weekend to go visit? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it is, you know, some people kind of call it like the hidden uh, gem of Metro Vancouver. Okay. Uh, it's an amazing community. Uh, it is, as I said, it's a community um, that is increasingly the go-to place for young families. Yeah. Uh, we've just opened a phase one of a brand new $132 million community center. Really? Uh, which pr- probably is without rival in Metro Vancouver. It's absolutely phenomenal um, with... Um, uh, ice rinks um, and uh, pool and community space uh, right in the heart of our downtown. Really? Um, our downtown um, is such a unique, uh, cool spot in, in Metro Vancouver. You actually feel like you're in a in a kind of small town downtown with yeah. lots of great mom-pop sort of stores. Uh, we have, I would say, unrivaled um, access to uh, the outdoors. We have... You know, we're bound by three rivers. We have amazing trails. Yeah. Um, so I, I think we have a lot going on for ourselves. Um, I noticed you, know, you tweeted about some recent uh, brewery or something like yeah, that. Yeah, we, well, I mean, that was one of the things that uh, I'm really proud of. Uh, within my first 100 days, uh, we doubled our seating capacity for our breweries to uh, really allow them to come into their own. So yeah. we um, now have three breweries, uh, craft breweries. Uh, a fourth is going to be opening. We have a, a craft distillery place uh, that is kind of got a really cool vibe to it. A lot of, you know, again, young people, um, young families go there, man. Yeah. Sometimes my wife and I take our son, we go there to meet other parents and you see as many, uh, like young children there as you do, um, uh, parents. So yeah. it's kind of, it's a, it's a great community, great. uh, and, uh, encourage people to come check us out. Um, we have a lot going on, uh, and I think and a good place to move to as well. It is. I mean, uh, you know, it is what is, you know, some people find attractive about it. it is the last it is the furthest east you can go from Vancouver without crossing a bridge. So you oh, don't okay. you don't cross a bridge. Didn't know that, statistic. Um, that I don't think that's our big selling feature. People <laughs> just point that out. Yeah. <clears throat> but a um, golf course there too. Yeah. Westwood Plateau. Oh, now uh, you've made the cardinal sin, which is unfortunately Westwood Plateau is in Coquitlam. Oh, way to we, go, Ross. But we do have a golf course. Now they're not going to build any <laughs> single, single one, one, one bedroom. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You were probably already screwed, but yeah. even more so now. <laughs> no, well, we have a we do have a golf course, Carnoustie Golf Course, um, and uh, yeah, it's just um, is it. it uh, it's, it's a private, uh, course, yeah. but I, I'm sorry, it is open to the public. Okay. I just mean that it's not owned by the city. Yeah. Burnaby owns yeah. some golf courses, but we yeah. don't, but, uh, uh, it's an amazing community. Uh, as I said, I've lived there my entire life. Um, you know, I probably know every square inch of it and, um, yeah, I en- great. encourage people to come check it out. It's awesome. Well, I gotta say, I really, uh, this is refreshing. I really appreciate uh, a guy like you 
being willing to kind of stick his neck out and speak, even though, you know, you are the mayor for Port Coquitlam, you've taken on some pretty big topics over the last year since you've been almost a year now since you become mayor. Uh, but you're obviously still very passionate about the city. I wish you the best of luck. Thanks for coming into uh, Coastal Front today and hope to have you back soon. Well, thanks for having me. Big shout out to my buddy Neil from Belcara. <laughs> Brad West, Mayor of Port Coquitlam. Thank you, Brad. Thank you. Thanks. Appreciate it.